This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Freaking first cut. Golly! So what's good, everybody? Welcome into the first cut mega preview for this week's Travelers Championship in Cromwell, Connecticut. Your fearless leader, Rick Rungood. He is traveling right now, a much-needed day off traveling across the country, but we are not taking a day off. Look who I have today. First and foremost, I've got to say congratulations to the family, the Immelman family. Mark, not only did you get your one and done to have a top two finish, (laughs) but your brother today announced as the new guy in the tower at CBS. Big time. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, look, we spent an incredible week last week in Costa Rica, just a little time away. And I didn't really know what was going on in golf. And you get back to just a <laughs> news kind of out of the fire hose, if you will. And and um, oh, what a thrill for Trevor. Uh, that's the second most important seat in golf, in my opinion, uh, alongside Jim Nansen. And we spoke yesterday on the phone and I was like, Trevor, think about this for a minute. You're a major champion. But yes, you and me are two boys, two brothers from a small town adjacent to Cape Town on the preeminent sports golf broadcast uh, team in the in, in the world, really. And, and and you're now the number two guy. And he goes, yeah, it's hard to believe, isn't it? And, and he was quite he was quite taken aback. And, and this is a Masters champion, multiple winner around the globe, now President's Cup team captain. It, it, it was exciting and it was somewhat humbling to chat with him yesterday afternoon. We will talk more about that coming up in the show, but there are certain times in life, certainly when you're in this business that you say, you know what, this was a line for me and this is a line for Trevor and for your family. We'll get more into that in a second. Now, this man, I wasn't sure if he was working last week or just taking pictures with everybody who wanted him at the U.S. Open. Cape <laughs> eight. Good afternoon, sir. Man, it's. I was thinking about this today, Coach. You leave one of the four most important weeks of the year, and the news only ramps up. For, like well, I'm working harder this week than I did last week at the U.S. Open. It's unbelievable. It really, it's, really it's, is. it's crazy. Last week was super fun with Greg and and Rick and Jacob in person. Uh, Brookline was just the best course. I mean, I I, I think I, I think you go back to Shinnecock in 2018, the U.S. Open there um, is what I would put it up there with. And we had we had an unbelievable time, and and Fitzpatrick was a great winner. It was a it was a really cool week and a nice palate cleanser, uh, if you will, for everything else that's going on right now. Well, let's cleanse the palate a little bit more before we dive into all of the live golf news that broke today. And let's not everybody's got a chance to talk about the U.S. So we won't make it long, but I would love to get your takes, Mark. I'll start with you. The fact that Matthew Fitzpatrick did something that only Jack Nicholas has ever done. I'm not sure why more people weren't riding him last week, but he won the amateur here in 2013. And last week, he never looked wavered. No matter when he was making bogeys or mistakes, he always stayed the course. And I think he was the clear best golfer for the week. Yeah, true. Um, and yes, where I have to give Carl a little credit because, you know, Carl's been blowing this trumpet for the last few months here because uh, he really has turned his game around Matthew Fitzpatrick. And and I was impressed for a couple of reasons. Look, and I'm putting aside winning a major championship because that is, it's superhuman. I'm related to a major champion and you get four goes a year. And that means you've got to time your game right and you've got to get a few breaks to go your way. And you just anything could change that fortune. You know, we've seen that multiple times. And so to win one is just so special. So from that point of view, it's awesome. I'm happy for him. I'm going to put that aside. First off, Matthew Fitzpatrick was always, you know, whenever I called him and watched him, he's that sort of um, junkyard dog sort of a guy. Small, gritty, all sorts of, you know, stick to about him. But he never really hit the ball very well or very long. And he complained about the fact that the tour was setting up courses too long. So anyhow, yeah, he just decides, well, I'm going to go on some protocol some regimen with a stack system to just get more speed and he did and all of a sudden he's changed his game so 
the golf instructor in me is like, people, you can change your fate. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to become a major champion, but it means that you can change how you approach the game. So kudos to him for that. And then secondly, I, I just, I was so impressed the little bit that I got to see because we were abroad. I was just so impressed about how he stuck to his task. Mm -hmm. Because even though, you know, there's the story of winning the amateur in Boston at Brookline, and there's all these side stories with We Met and stuff, and it's a wonderful venue, Brookline, as Carl highlights. Um, but in the final group there, he's playing alongside Will Zalatoris, who would have had the lion's share of all the fan support. And the whole week, Matt just kept his head down. He just kept grinding. He just kept hitting shots. He didn't get all awash and all the noise on the side. And, and comes down to it, he hits some incredible shots coming in. Just some incredible shots coming in where guys were falling over. He went and got this thing. And so from that point of view, I was so happy for him because he's been in contention before and sort of spilled the thing a few times. Mm -hmm. But to get on one of the biggest stages in the game, to deliver a performance like he did, as single-minded as what he was, for me, it was it was incredible. I, I mean, hats off to him. That was one of the performances of the season to me. There is no question about that. And they did everything the same as in 2013. They stayed with the same family, the same stuff. Very, very cool. Now, Kyle, in golf, we always like to look for irony, don't we? And the very first player we heard from last week was Phil Mickelson, who is historically known for finishing, what, second backing up at certain majors, specifically the U.S. Open. And we end the week with a guy who's now making it a thing where he finishes second at these majors, and I'm talking about Will Zalatoris. Yeah, somebody called him Will Mickelson uh, on Twitter <laughs> last weekend. Uh, <clears throat> Zalatoris is maybe the best player in the world right now. And golf is weird because he's not won a PGA Tour event or a major championship yet. And yet he's been the best major player so far in, in 2022. He's 13 under at the three majors. Uh, Rory's 11 under. I think Fitzpatrick was third at, at seven under. Um, so it, 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 golf is like it's both very strange but also kind of cool that you have to do it for those four days what you do over the course of you know 12 days of uh, throughout three majors doesn't it doesn't matter you don't get a trophy for being the lowest play or like the, the lowest guy after after three majors you get a trophy for being the lowest guy in one week and i think that i don't know i i'm i followed zalatoris a lot on sunday i'm way in on his sort of just demeanor and ethos like he wasn't rattled the moment wasn't too big he was kind of like strutting around like he like he was gonna win the u.s open and he didn't obviously but i just he like not, you've seen this coach like some guys get in the moment and it's like this is this is too much like i can't i can't like they just are scared of it it's 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 innate almost and zalatoris has whatever that thing is where he's not scared of it and i, I that doesn't mean he's going to win a major championship, but he is going to win and I think win a lot on the PGA Tour and have a really good career just based on obviously how well he's played, but also seeing him up close and just seeing like what he's kind of made up of in that in that, you know, back nine Sunday major championship cauldron. I also <laughs> like the fact that that he he said that it bothered him, unlike at the PGA Championship. He's like, this one hurts. This one really hurts. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Mark, go ahead. No, I wanted to add to that. Um, I, you know, I guess the instructor within is coming out a little too often on this podcast where I'm supposed to be opining, but um, I, I have to give a nod to Scott Fawcett, who has been a longtime friend of Will Zalatoris. Uh, Fawcett, for those who don't know, is the originator of a system called Decade, which is essentially course management. And if you watch Will and you watch him hit it, um, he hits it like a banshee. I mean, the thing takes off at high speed and goes forever, and it's impressive. And, and to me, he hits lob shots as good as anyone in the game. I mean, little shots around the greens. He's got wonderful touch, and and has got that element to it which you need in major championships. So he's got the driver. He's got the touch around the greens. Um, and he obviously strikes his irons well. That go, goes without saying. But if you watch him hit, it looks aggressive. But if you watch him play, it looks defensive. Like if you watch him because of decade and Scott's influence, every ball he hits will always be, unless it's missed, on the wide side of the target. Now, I'm not saying he's hitting to 30 feet, 
but he's always going to be on the safer side of the target, which is a major championship type discipline. Not a regular PGA Tour event when you've got you know, pins three, four, five from the side. A lot of go, guys go attacking a bit more, but you couldn't afford to do that at Brookline last week, which is why it was such a good test. So that's to me why even despite, you know, sometimes the missteps with a putter and despite the odd wide ball with a driver, because that is the miss if there is one, mm-hmm. um, he's never going to really shoot himself in the foot too bad. And, and so I must give a nod to Scott and the way he's bred Will in terms of how Will looks at the golf course, makes decisions at the golf course. And then when it comes down to that final nine, guys, Kyle can speak to it. He was there. Guys were falling over in front of them. Uh, and when I say falling over, just making sort of shooting themselves in the foot, if you will, where Zalatoris kept putting, putting the ball in the right place and bar that bogey on 15, it could have been a different animal right away. So so I think he's going to be around in the major championships if he stays injury-free for a long, long time. Coach, I had this yeah, I had this question posed to me today. I want your answer on it. This is somebody was te- texting me about this. More majors from here on out, Zalatoris or Scheffler? <laughs> wow, that, that's a really, really good question. Uh, I'm I'm going to say, this is just my gut, I'm going to say Scheffler, just because we're starting to see a trend. I know it's very, very early, but a lot of a lot of finishes really, really close. So I think they'll both win a few, but I think Scheffler will get to at least five or six. I, I believe that. Zalatoris, I'm not so sure. So I'm going to say Scheffler. What would you say, Mark? May I add, um, look, I think Scotty is an underrated ball striker. He really is. He drives it long, and he's pretty reliable with his irons. But what he has is a wonderful penchant for salvaging a par. And if you mm-hmm. watch him at the U.S. Open, it was the same thing. He's just got that about him, you know. And every great major championship, you're going to – and I've, Nick Price, all major championship winners have told me this. You're going to have a patch of golf where you've got to survive a bit. And you might not hit it so well, but you've got to f- sort of just grit and grind and kind of put together pars. And we saw that at the Masters. Scotty did it over the final nine holes. We saw him again this last week where he did that. And so I would say if there was an edge, I would go to Scheffler right now um, just because of his ability to scramble. His scrambling ability is bar none. Well, you're spot on. And we saw that Saturday when he went through that stretch where he was five or six over and looked like he was falling out of contention. He made that put on 18 and gave it the fist pump when he shot like a 39 on the back. And that showed me all I needed to show. Or mm-hmm. let's see. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Let's pivot now because there's a lot of big news today. Kyle already alluded to it that rarely do you see a Tuesday after a major championship, and there's more news heading into the Travelers Championship. The PGA Tour met with the players this morning. We'll get to that in a second. But the big name that was announced this morning, and Kyle, I'll start with you, is Brooks Kepka. And Live Golf, I think, has done a good job of positioning their players behind, oh, he's a major champion. He's a former this. He's a former that. A lot of formers. Not a lot of current winners. Not a lot of guys that are in current form. And Kepka, to me, is exactly the kind of player that they would go after because he's never cared about PGA Tour events. Your take on Brooks Kepka being the latest along with Abraham Answer. Yeah, Abraham Answer was just announced uh, right as we started this podcast. So they got two top 20 guys today. Uh, not not surprised about Kepka. I mean, he's always been looking how to play fewer events for more money uh, or to work less for more money. Uh, and the, the, the combativeness that he displayed at the U.S. Open last week when he was asked about it was just screaming that he was going to join the league, you know, in the near future, which is... What happened? And I think, you know, the thing that I was thinking about, Coach, on Tuesday, <clears throat> as it relates to live in the PGA Tour, is this is the this is the villains tour now. They got they 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 got all the villains, right? If if you you think about Kepka is a has been a villain, uh Bryson's certainly been a villain, Patrick Reed, the ultimate villain. 
Uh, Sergio and Poulter have been villains at the Ryder Cup. Phil, potentially a villain if you compare him to, to you know, if, if you look at kind of the Tiger-Phil um, duo over the last 20 years, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't categorize him as the same type of villain as like a Reed or a Brooks or a Bryson, but you could call him that. And it, it's, it's, it's reductive to call it like the, the good versus evil thing uh, because that it's not that simple. It's way more nuanced than that. But it, with every villain that they add, it gets a lot uh, harder to, to not lean into that narrative. And that, that, you know, that to me is, is super interesting to see, you know, how that, how that plays out, um, over the next couple months. Yeah. The last thing I was thinking about coach is, and I, I, I put this out there somewhere. I wrote it. I thought maybe I just thought it, I don't know. There's been so many takes over the last few weeks, but if you believe that live is inevitable and all the players will eventually end up there, and maybe you don't believe that, but if you do, then there's a there's a sort of FOMO, a fear of missing out where they're not going to pay players at the end what they're paying them right now because they won't need to. They'll have all the good players. They'll get to the end and tell JT, like, yo, we don't even need you. Like, we're not going to pay you anything. You need us, right, at that point. And so I think there's a, a little bit of, like, guys saying, hey, if this is inevitably going to happen anyway, I'd like to get paid right now and make $100 million or, I, I don't know, whatever the numbers are, uh, and that sort of has accelerated this process, and um, it's become a little circular in that it like it just creates more and more FOMO, and it creates more and more guys going, which creates more FOMO, and and you know there's a cascading effect there that eventually Liv might end up with all the best players in the world. See, I would say two things to to that, and first of all, the take that I'm getting tired of aimed at me, and I know a lot of it's because I work for the PJ Tour. Where is it? Uh, I think Hillbilly in the said 150 million is life changing money. You get hurt on the PGA, you don't have any money. Guess what? 20 million, 30. That's also life changing money. Everybody's weighing in on, oh, it's life changing money. You all would take it. No, I'm in the business, and I wouldn't take it. And if you think that all of us, even those of us on the show, have not been approached then you're living in another world. But what I'm saying is not everybody feels that way. And I'm tired of just getting the blanket. Oh, it's life-changing money. You all would take it. No, we wouldn't. Mark, go ahead. I may add quickly to that. Um, what a lot of folks don't talk about, and look, the money is enticing. Let's be real. And money has always been the thing about this. Uh, that That is always the thing. We've heard McElroy and Justin Thomas reference that. Um and when Brooks is chatting with Jenna about this, they're not talking about like how many events he's going to win. They're just talking about the money that's guaranteed. But for the players who with the PGA Tour, their retirement is off the charts. I have a friend and colleague who's currently in announcing that's making five grand a week in retirement from the tour. Now, if you stay around the tour, yeah, you not got, don't have the big upfront silly money kind of thing. But you keep building the legacy, and then you keep putting stuff into your retirement. They never have to hit a shot again in their life either. It's mm -hmm. just how much is enough, and 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 I think there's a whole lot of you know flexing on the go, and and these guys are all competitors. So you know if if Liv comes calling and they're like, well, we're going to guarantee me X, I'm like, well, I think I'm better than Y. You're given Y to over there. It's, uh, there. There's there's a lot of ego involved with this stuff too, but. I just wanted to add to the fact that the retirement is a big deal. And there's a lot of guys that are making a lot of money in retirement, too. 100 percent. And I will also say this because I have been in connection with Saudi Arabia when I was in. I told you guys I've told you guys this story on the show before when I was with the WWE. Here's the guy. There's one guy that controls this whole thing. And that's another thing most people don't understand. The government controls the fund. The one guy from the government that controls the fund is like a. Uh, he loves to be around attention, meaning he once gave $250 million to a very popular race car driver to build a team. When he got bored with that, he walked away and said, hey, keep your money, but I'm not giving you any more. Understand, really rich narcissists, they get bored very easily. And if nobody gives this attention as it moves forward after the big payouts are given, then he's going to walk away because he's going, we're not getting attention, which is what this all is about. It's all about attention for Saudi Arabia to bring business to the country. It's not about golf. It's not about sport. So I'd be very careful if I was one of those players that think this money is going to last forever. Because if he gets bored, it is what it is. And everybody's going to have their opinion, and that's fine. 
we'll just see how it plays out. Any well, other yeah. takes? Uh, I yes. think that's a good point. I, I would be interested to see what the contracts look like. Like, did Phil get, like, does he get a certain amount per year? I, I think one thing that um, is is interesting here is that the the say, whatever you want to say about Live Golf, and we've said everything about it, um, they're operating the way that most sports that we cover. Or, or that most professional sports leagues operate in that they're giving guaranteed contracts for your services, right? That That's how the NBA works. That's how Major League Baseball works. That's how the NFL works. Um, now, there are, there are all sorts of things tied to that where you have incentives, and if you do this, then you get this, whatever. But effectively, you've got a, you've got an organization that's operating the way the leagues that you know, Kepka Brooks Kepka fancies himself like a like a it, not an NFL player, but in the same sort of categories. Like I'm a I'm a pro, I'm a professional athlete, and so I think there's some enticement, not just from a monetary um, uh, standpoint, but also from a security and like this is how other pros operate. They get guaranteed contracts. That's what I'm worth. Whereas the PGA Tour is still, even though they've introduced all these these eight events, which we'll talk about, um, or that's the report, uh, it's still a meritocracy, right? You're still not guaranteed anything. I, I don't know what the lowest amount will be. Let's say it's $150,000. You're guaranteed, I guess, that. But that doesn't really move the needle for a, for a professional athlete uh, uh, at this level. And so you're still dealing with, I, I think one of the things that that live that we'll look back on in 50 years that live golf has killed is this idea that um, meritocracy can run regular season professional golf. I I just don't know that that is, I don't know that that's realistic because that's not, and listen, like we're all compelled by that because a meritocracy is like the purest form of, of sport. Right. But I just don't know that that's a reality in 2022. It feels a little antiquated that you're still governed by a meritocracy and not by these sort of guaranteed contracts that live that every other sport gives and that live golf has, has introduced to this sport. Great point. Mark. No, I think Carl said it perfectly over there. Um, I just want, I want to add too, because something I got some time to think last week while we were in Costa Rica um, and the thing that struck me when I did manage to find internet enough to get a leaderboard was that a bunch of the folks that played over in the London live events came over to one of the toughest tests in the game and were showing up a little bit. And it starts yep. to get me to wondering because uh, like I'm a football player with a guaranteed contract. Now that's a different, you, that's comparing apples and oranges to me because the incidence of injury in the NFL is infinitely greater than the PGA Tour and even Major League Baseball and basketball, certainly. So so guarantees there are true. Now, should we guarantee money for PGA Tour players? I, I don't know. I, if, if I was a player, I certainly would like it. But everyone knows going in that this is you earn your way, you earn your way kind of thing. But the thing that struck me about the guys that came over from the live events was none of them played really well. Because there is that, uh, I don't want to use the term fat cat, but there's sort of that mentality when you've got a back pocket that's loaded with a bunch of money and you don't really need to work out and you don't need to go and practice. And you're like, oh, shucks, I'm going to go play in Portland in a few weeks' time and I'm going to make at least X. Like, why even? And so the, the, the level of competition to me will not might not go down, but it certainly becomes kind of saturated a little bit. Where everyone's like well, 54 holes, shotgun, uh, let's go. We've got our money guaranteed. If you win, fantastic. If not, well, on to, on to next. And it's just like just checking the stuff off. And, and, and that's where um, from a, a lover of golf, you know, golf has done so much for me and my family. From a lover of golf sort of standpoint, I hate the way it has the potential to really dilute. And not just that this is not the fan base, just the 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 essence of the game, if you will, and and teeing it up with having to make a five-footer on Friday afternoon to make a cut for you, my sex. That, that, that to me, is part of what we um, are a part of. I think that's the biggest point that I was going to make, Mark, is that all these people that come out and say, oh, they compare like, like what Kyle just did. They, oh, NFL players, it majorly, but guess what those players have to do? To, to get that money again, they have to perform. 
if, if a player goes out and they get a big NBA contract and they're a dud, they're not getting another NBA contract. You've got to perform. Even if it's guaranteed money, you still have to go out there and perform. I haven't seen anything from this new tour that says that a player getting $200 million has to do anything other than show up. So if you don't have to do anything other than show up and be an ambassador, you're right. It takes away from the competition, and that is something that nobody will want to watch. And if nobody's watching it, the attention's not there. It goes back to my original point. They're not going to like it very much over there, the people who are running it. We have seen what they're required to do, and they are required to make a bunch of appearances that no one's talking about. They all thought it wasn't the case, but they're having to show up and, and lend their name to stuff. Yep. And I've seen what is required. I watched a lot of the live broadcast when it whenever that was. Uh, guys jumping up and doing social media posts and how great this is and the fans and and it sort of was dripping with like you being told now because you're getting so many millions to now be the face for what this organization is now maybe not the sports washing I, that's that's beyond my pay grade over there but I'm hearing a bunch of guys who ordinarily wouldn't start spouting off the virtues of the current tour that they're playing on. The PGA tour guys, Cal, no, he's interviewed a bunch of them. They're not going to come and tell you, oh, the PGA tour is so great. It's exactly they're, right. They, they're going to complain more about what is they're not getting. Where this crowd that was like, come on, guys, I know you. Who are you? <laughs> now, Kyle, Kyle, let's take a left turn here. Oh, you go ahead and say that I had another question for you. Go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, I, I don't, um, I don't disagree with like meritocracy being like the beauty of golf and, I don't even disagree with coach's idea that right as of right now, you don't like because of the way the Saudi league is structured where it is, there is some sports washing involved. There isn't really like a, there, there's not a competitiveness to it and that you're playing for your next contract. Cause there's not a competitiveness to it at all. It's just like this propped up thing for the sake of, uh, appearances, right? That, that's what it is. It's just for the sake of appearance. But, I do think if you had a league where you had the top, let's say, let's say, let's take the Saudis out of it. Say you just started a league that was um, a, a different organization. Let's say me and me and Coach funded it with. Let's say Mark funded it like from it. all of his earnings from the from the one and done. I like it. And you had only the top forty eight guys could be in it, and you played twelve events, similar to the Saudi thing. Um, and you guaranteeing contracts and you had teams and all this stuff. Like if you didn't, there would be a built-in competitiveness because like the NBA, if you didn't play well, you're dropping back down to the second tier league, whether it's the corn Ferry, the Euro challenge shirt, whatever that league would be, your team is going to not renew your contract because you're shooting 76s all the time. So there would be a, there would be a built-in uh, sort of competitiveness there. And, and I think what I'm saying is that if guaranteed, well, if, um, a little bit of the facade of of what um the merit like the beauty of meritocracy in golf has been, I think, kind of uh, re like the sheen has been taken off that a little bit when when guaranteed contracts are a potential for the future of golf. I think there there could be a league in which you could have guaranteed contracts, but also like maintain that competitiveness in a way that it might not feel like you could right now. And I think to your point, what's going to happen, and I suggested this a few weeks ago, I send notes to the PGA Tour all the time, even though I work for them. I send ideas all the time. You guys know me. And I would have, I would love like a, what the LPGA does with their players when they go to Asia. They give them a stipend, and the stipend is whatever. It pays for their caddy to travel. It, get, it pays for their expenses. And then say it's ten grand or fifteen grand a player. That wouldn't be too much to ask. And then you'd still have the competitive fire. And I think that would be a nice mix, even though it's not a ton of money. It would pay for expenses, Mark. Uh, okay. At the risk of flogging a dead horse, because I've said to many people, I'm like, the more we talk about this stuff, the more we actually helping them broadcast who they're doing. If, if you're a fan of having the PGA Tour continue to grow. My question is, and I'm a former college coach who's ran shotgun events. You only have a certain number of players you can get onto the field at that time. Sure. So the live golf, it's currently what, 54 or 48 or whatever the number is. Well, I don't know what the size of their fields are. So there's a maximum. So my question is, if they continue to pick off these big players and give them guaranteed contracts, those guys aren't going to come and sub someone in. That means someone's getting kicked out. So my question is for the guys who not the names coming in, if live does happen to assemble 48 studs, 54, whatever their number is, where are the other guys going? It's a very good point. And, they're, and, they're, and how, 
how do you earn your way back on and how do you earn your way back off? I mean, like if I'm DJ, am I set? Now I'm going to play on this thing for however long they well, tend to intend to run. Yeah. So two things. One, they're going back to the Asian tour, right? That's their sort of feeder and exit ramp right now. Um, I don't, I don't know how you earn your way back on or off. Like I, that is ambiguous, and I think it's part of the reason you you see lesser guys. Henny Duplessis, poor guy, I keep picking on him, but uh, Plessy, Duplessy. Duplessis. There we go. My any American guys can have it right. You know, see that's why you see guys like him jump the chance to earn two million dollars, which he did uh, right away because. Again, if it's inevitable that all the good players are going to go over there, he, he Henny ain't going to be on the tour, or uh, mm-hmm. he's not going to be part part of the live golf thing. So, I actually don't really blame those guys as much for kind of their um, com- complicitness in all of this. The other thing, and I'm writing about this today, a, a column for CBSSports.com. As exhausting as this has been, and it has been exhausting, it's tiring. It's a lot of it is silly. The logos, the names, there's just a lot of ridiculousness. There's also a sort of drama that's been kind of fun to follow. And this gets it like why the NBA is fun and why the NFL is fun, because you've got players moving around and rumor. I mean, the, the number of rumors I heard last week at Brookline was off the charts. It was unbelievable how many different things were being said about different guys and about what's going to happen in the future, what's going to happen to the Euro tour, what's going to happen, just anything you could dream of. It was said at Brookline during the U S open by players, by Asia, everybody, everybody's talking about it. And there is a sort of drama that's compelling to all of this. And, and I don't, I don't like, I don't really enjoy the Genesis of that drama, which is this Saudi league that is not really, trying to be a business not really trying to be like a real competitive organization but i do think that that they have kind of inadvertently tapped into something which is like man having teams and moving players around what if what if there was a team i I imagine this scenario today coach and i want to get your take on this what if there was a team that had they signed will zalatoris out of wake forest and kind of stashed him away and then he plays great at the major championships. They're like, we, we got to pull him up to our, like, to, to the big, whatever the league, the main team league is. And then what if that team, let's say it's team titleist, and they traded Zalatoris for like the number one pick in next year's draft where you can draft players coming out of college? There is some like real interest and in, in a, a compellingness to that that just doesn't exist in regular season PGA tour golf right now that I, I feel like has been kind of inadvertently tapped into that I'm, I'm fascinated by. And I, I think there is some, certainly some um, credence to that. I think though, uh, for most people who look at golf, they look at golf as an individual sport. And whenever you're talking about trades and teams and all that kind of stuff, it's very hard other than once or twice a year for people to really wrap their brains around it and go find it. But I certainly think that because of this, that a lot of good things could happen. And I believe that competition is not always bad. And this is competition in the name of another tour for players to go play at. But this is going to be good. And we already saw it today. PGA Tour met with the players this morning, and they announced that starting next year, the whole tour is going to change. And, Kyle, you had a great post on this, and I would love for you to tell the people, because I don't want to make a mistake, on exactly what the PGA Tour plans on doing starting next year to kind of counteract that and give the top players – a chance to play for guaranteed money and it's substantial money as well. Yeah. It it sounds like, and this was a golf digest report. Um, and this is, so, so I'll just give the facts of it on, this is on GolfDigest.com. They talked about how there's going to be eight events interspersed throughout the year with $20 million purses in each. And I thought that was really interesting because those $20 million purses are bigger. And I don't know if the players is included or not included in that. It's the top 50 players, in the previous year's FedEx Cup that will be um, exempt for, for those eight events. And again, I, I presume that's not the players because the players are going to have a full field. So I, it, it seems like the players are separate from that. So if the players are separate, that's nine events, Coach, that have, each have a bigger purse than any of the major championships. And I think what's interesting about that is that's sort of how other sports function, right? You make your money in the regular season, you sign these regular season contracts, and you make that money whether you make it to the – whether you – get to the playoffs or the postseason or not. And if you look at golf's four major championships as the 
the postseason or the the playoffs or whatever, then uh, those purses being smaller is sort of how other sports function. You don't make as much money playing in the NBA playoffs as you do playing, you know, making forty five mil in the regular season. Yes, and I think I think that is, uh, I think that's super interesting. And uh, I don't know, is it is it is it a good move? I don't know because it feels like the WGCs reincarnated, and I don't know that the WGCs were ever really compelling or exciting. Um, so I, I I don't know. It remains to be seen whether those tournaments will work out or be interesting it feels like they won't be maybe but i i don't know i i'm i'm interested to hear mark's take i mark. i'm with you I, I i guess as folks who live in the united states we shouldn't be myopic about this because a part of the golf digest article that i read too if i'm understanding it correctly that this um strategic alliance between the dp world tour europe the European tour and the PGA tour, they're going to work on building on that some more. So my hope is because I mean, look, I'm, I'm all for, you know, fun events, events where you can see the best players roll around like major championships. If you can take some of these to the rest of the world and some of these eight events are dotted around Europe and maybe South Africa, I don't know. Then all of a sudden you really are growing the game. And for a young kid who grew up in South Africa, who didn't have television of golf, a PGA Tour golf to get to see your heroes one time that could change some kid's life. You're looking at one over here. So, so if these events go abroad, I, I think it could be sensational and the money is enough to entice these players to go abroad. Because again, like I've always been saying about these live events, you got to give the, these guys a lot of money to turn their heads to go and play golf close to Thanksgiving in some remote part of the world. Otherwise, you're going to say, no, i got enough. <laughs> so so that's, that's the thing, too, with like a Brooks going now. Brooks, he's like just going for the guarantee. So I think the events are fun. I hope they, are, they, they build this alliance and they take them abroad because then you truly are doing something for the game, the growth well, of it. I, it's I think, it's unlike, uh, unlike our yeah. whatever, whatever the colleagues over in the Live League, they're like, we're growing the game. Like, oh, how on earth are you growing the game with what you're doing right now? I think one difficult part to swallow if you're a JT or a Morikawa or whatever is like you're saying, okay, wait a second, you're adding events, so I have to play more events, and the money's not guaranteed, <laughs> right? I mean, it's not a cut, but it's not, it's not, you don't have a contract. And so you're playing more for, again, potentially less than players that are signing with Live. And I just don't. You know, I think at the heart of all this is the PGA Tour's um, uh, non-exempt. What, what's the, the the their tax status? The five hundred one three C three. Yeah, they can't they can't they can't have contracts. They can't guarantee players' money because it goes against that sort of tax exemption status. And I think that, I mean, I think they needed to get rid of that yesterday. Like that's just my opinion of how all of this is going to function going into the future. You can find ways to still give money back to charity. Like that's not, I don't think a, a huge uh, issue, but I, I, it's almost like they're, they're operating from like this antiquated position from like the seventies or eighties. And it's like, I guess you, it could work, but I don't know if you're putting yourself in the best position for it to work. Well, to, to that, sorry, coach. Um, nope. The tour, from what I read in this report, I've not talked to any executives, are going to do away with the wraparound season thing. Yeah. So this, it's going to be a, season, a, a calendar year-long competition, which is better for me too because it spreads out the combination competition for all the players over the year where currently it was called the super season. I mean, remember, we had like six majors in the space of about four months at one stage yeah. there. And, and it was an overload. So now you've got events throughout the year counting towards the one money list or whatever you're going to call the thing, the FedEx Cup points list, whatever it might be. And so the whole thing's spread out a little bit more. So it, it, it to me, I, I feel like it has a chance of working just because it's a year-long competition now and not like from September through August kind of deal. I just feel like they're making the, they're making the, the, the whole thing too big, right? Like we already have – how many events do we have, Coach? Like 44? Well, Five forty-five weeks, but but that's that's completely going to change. 
because the fall is going to look completely different now. And yeah. at least four or five of these are going to be in the fall, which, as we know, going up against the behemoth that is the NFL is a uh, is not a good situation unless you do what Mark said and you move these events to other parts. Oh, of the yeah. You want to get, get Kyle Porter on board? Go to Royal Melbourne. You know, start to go to Hell these. Yeah. There you go. And that's and, what they're going to do. And I then, just, I, uh, then you're showing the fans over here all these great places, and you're showing the kids and the golfers over there. Because, look, it's one thing to watch golf on TV. It's another, it's another thing to experience golf, not to watch golf. Because I always say to folks, if you want to watch golf, don't go to an event. But if you want to experience it and live it, I mean, I get goosebumps right now. If you want to be there when Will Zalatoris hits a tee shot, if you want to be there when Rory hits a seven iron on the 16th hole in Canada, I was there, man. I was moved by the experience and I've seen all sorts of golf, right? Yes, you it, have. It, that's when you start to really grow the game because kids and I like, man, I want to be like that guy over there. And so that's why if this thing goes abroad, I feel like it, it can really gain traction. I just I think they're trying to be too many things to to too many people. And and if you are all of a sudden introducing these eight events and I don't know what they're going to be or where they're going to be, but it 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 creates a scenario where if Justin Thomas has to pick between playing a twenty million dollar event and playing the Valspar Championship, or he's been playing over the last several years. He's picking the twenty million dollar event, so you're you're almost like there's some cannibalism there, and and maybe they listen. Like we don't know how this is all going to work out. Maybe they make the like already existing events the twenty million dollar events. I, I don't. Yeah, sorry, Kyle. That's the thing because remember on the DP World Tour they've got the Rolex series, which are just current events that were dotted into this Rolex series, and then you have the finale, the DP World Tour Championship at the end. So. I have a sense these may be current events that they look at Jackson, Mississippi, and they go, yeah, you're one of those. And they look at different spots around the country interspersed. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I, I think that the, the sky's the limit here. Real, real quick, Coach, here's, here's what I would do. This is just my half-baked, not even half-baked, like quarter-baked idea. Shrink the schedule. Don't make it bigger. Shrink it. Make it 15 events or 12 events or whatever. Um, make those huge money, um, make them teams, but essentially create live, but put it on top of your historic venues like Riviera and Bay Hill and these places that are, you know, I think add to the depth of, of what the PGA tour says it's about and what I believe that it's about, which is like, it's, it's meaningful that Hogan played at Riviera and that, You've had an event at Colonial for 80 years. Like that, that means something. And you can, you can, you can create a season. I mean, part of the, part of the problem here is that like, how many events do we get all the best players in the world in the same place? Meg Adkins of, of the fried egg was tweeting about this last night. She's like, man, that just, it is a weird business model in that like the NBA would never create something where only the stars only played like a quarter of the events and they rarely were all together. You know, it, it's just, it's, it's such a weird thing. So shrink it, make it teams, put it at historic events, push all your money into that thing. Those 48 guys or 56 guys or 70 guys or whatever it is. And I think that, I think that is, um, I think that could be super interesting. Something that I would really be into. Well, it's never going to happen because the two words that, Big money networks love more than anything live events. And if you take away 20 live events from NBC, CBS, that's a lot of money that's not going to the tour. That deal's already locked in for, for 10 years. You cannot shrink the schedule at this point. And you've yes. got to you, you got to have a way to qualify in there yeah. for any aspirant golfer else. Cause that was to me the issue that I had with the World Golf Championships events was there were limited fields with guaranteed world ranking points and money. And I could go in there and suck my rear end the entire week and still earn world ranking points. So the events sort of proliferated themselves and it would take largely a, a, a miraculous type achievement for someone to fall out and someone to go back in. So, yeah, so real, real quick, Mark, how, how do you like, I, I don't mean this sarcastically, but how, how would you explain to someone how you qualify in to the NFL or to the NBA? Well, you get drafted you, by performance. You get drafted on performance. So you, if you have teams, if you have Team Callaway that has a team, they're like, I want to sign the best guy because we want I, to win this league, right? 
I just I don't think I don't think golf's ever going to be a team thing. I, I just fundamentally disagree. I, I, you know, I love you, but I just don't think this idea but, would I, ever would ever work. I need to say this, right? Okay. One of the things that makes the Ryder Cup and special, and the President's Cup is growing in significance. Some is the fact that there's only two of them. If there were team events every week, people are going to tire about that of that too. I guarantee you. And the thing that makes the Ryder Cup special, even more so is that there's nationalism behind the thing. So you can get in behind your United States team. I can't tell you I'm going to be at all jacked up about the Majestics or whatever the case might be. There were four yeah, South Africans on the Stingers, and I, I couldn't give a continental yeah, stuff. But listen, think about it. I don't disagree with you right now. It sounds silly right now, but think about F1. F1 has a team event and an individual event every week. They have a team portion and an individual portion. F1 has never been more popular than it is right now. But they don't, and they don't play every week. They don't race every week. But it's this is like what I, that, that's that's exactly what I'm saying is well, shrink this. Back, but we can't go backwards, Kyle. TV contracts are way too big to go back. Yeah. Well, then they, then you then you don't have a chance. They you don't have this. What do you mean they don't? You think the PJ Tour is going to die because of this? I think it could. Yeah. Oh my God. I, we fundamentally completely disagree. Completely, and, and that's fine. I, that's I, what the discussion is. What is? Go ahead, Jacob. Can I throw more uh, fuel on this fire? Thoughts on creating like a separate tiered league to where the PGA Tour, as we think of it now with events and maybe your smaller markets like Jackson, Mississippi, just to throw them under the bus as more of the Corn Ferry Tour and then having your, hate to call it the Premier League, right? But I mean, there's a, That's there's what a they're tier of it. But it's, they're, it, they're you would never see a Rory McIlroy, for instance, at a lower tier event. And then that would give broadcasters the opportunity to air that second tier league. The networks would never go for that. They, they at least have the opportunity now for every event, the opportunity to have the stars. You're never going to get a network to say, yeah, I'll go pay big money for that. It's, it's, well, just, then, it's just not going to happen guys. It's just not. Well, it's something not. needs to happen. Cause I mean, what, what I, is I, it? I, again, I, I think you guys are getting wrapped up in this is happening right now. Once all of these get over, and it's, I think. But what is the end of that? What is the end of that? Where does it, where does it end? Going Once it gets going and and all the players have made their decision, because you're not going to see players, I don't think, three or four months down the road. Because to your point, Kyle, the money's going to run out. They're not just throwing 500 billion at this thing. And so right now, they're doing, they're responding to it. Today, that's a response. People say it's just because of live. Of course it is. But this is how organizations and places make changes they're forced to recognize maybe something they need to do and that's what the pga is tour is doing but you can't go down to 20 events that ship has left there's too much money now with networks and covering it live events are everything for sponsors sponsors want live events because of fast forwarding on your dvr just the studies have shown that they just do so but we'll have to wait and see and we'll discuss it here on the show but i think to kyle's point this is causing places to make changes and that is always a good thing. We've got a lot more to get to because we just spent 45 minutes on live golf and that we have something to look forward to this week. And that's called the Travelers Championship. They have an incredible field this week. But before we get to our best bets and our one and done, we need to hear a little break from one of our partners. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. And we are back. All right. Now, we've got our best bets. We have our top tens. We have our sleepers, all that good stuff. So, our good friend Jacob, the jeweler. Let's start with uh, Mark. You want to start with your picks for the week, sir? Who do you uh, like? Uh, well, I'd love to see. There we are. Thank you. I was there having a senior moment. Um, look, <laughs> <laughs> sleepers, I put down two there because um, I didn't really know what the odds on folks were. Um, so looking at the odds right now, I think the as a sleeper, I think Brian Armin is the way to go. But look, I cannot avert my eyes from Davis Riley. I, I, you know, I'd watched him on television. and then. Um, Preparing for the final round at uh, the Memorial earlier this season, I went on the range and just watched him. And I watched him hit, and I spoke with Lance Bennett, his caddy, and and uh, spoke a little bit with with Davis. 
And the guy is 25 years old and he sounds like he's 45, just the way he talks about his game. And man, when he hits it, I was borderline blown away. And, and, and so I was like, my goodness, I'd heard this kid was good. And when I watched him hit it, it just comes so easy. It's like the boy fell out of heaven with a golf club in his hand. And, uh, and I was like, Oh goodness gracious. So I didn't know what the odds were, but I'm all on Davis Riley, but looking at the odds, I think as a sleeper, Brian Harmon this week, he's been playing well. It was not a bad call call at all. Well, I like Brian Harmon a lot, too. Uh, so I'm going to quickly, and then I'll get Kyle's response to this and who he likes. Uh, Denny McCarthy's been playing great. We saw him all over the coverage last week at the U.S. Open. He's putting phenomenally well. I love his number at plus 5,000 if you want to throw him in a top 20 or a top 10, something like that. Jason Day played well here a year ago. And Patrick Cantlay shot 60 on this course when he was an amateur. And he's one of those players that just pops up and wins and then kind of goes about his business, pops up and wins again. So I know he hasn't been in great recent form, but I like him this week. And Mark is on him for a top 10. Kyle, your thoughts? Uh, well, I've, these are my picks, not Rick's in the middle here. Oh, okay. Uh, okay great. Yes. Uh, Rick thing. is lazy. Rick, who has hosted like the last 700 events in a row is taking, taking a, a day off. How dare he? Uh, Brendan Steele has been great uh, from T to green over his last 20 rounds. He's up there. He's been better than JT actually from T to green, which is, or excuse me with his ball striking, not from T to green, which is crazy. There we go. Kyle, not Rick. Um, Rory is just playing unbelievable golf. I mean, it's easy to pile on when he gets close to majors, but doesn't win them. But he's playing at a clip that is, I, I talked to him a little bit, at the U S open. And he was talking about how much confidence he has, even compared to like 2019 when he won the players and, and, uh, and when he, when he won the Canadian open, when he shot 61 in the final round, he just, he, he told me he feels so much more, uh, freed up even at major championships, even though again, the results don't reflect that, but the numbers do. I mean, you look at his numbers over his last 20, 50 rounds, he's been unbelievable. And then I'm with you on, on Cantlay. It would be, he, he just maybe like, Coach, maybe Patrick Cantlay is not a major championship golfer. It seems like he should be. His skill set screams that he yeah. should be. Yeah. But maybe maybe he's just a PGA Tour easier setup type golfer. Like Maybe that's just what it is. So I, I like him to win uh, at a place where he's had a ton of success. My only question for you, Mark, is do you think that Rory, after – because I thought about putting him in. I know that, that Kyle has for top 10. You have him winning. That after winning in, in Canada and last week essentially being the face – of the PGA tour at the U S open. Do you worry about fatigue this week, Mark? Um, yeah, you always do. You don't know how they're sleeping Well, none of us know that. So all we can do is a pine. So you don't know how they're recovering, how they're sleeping and such. But the one thing I know about Rory is that when he starts to find something, he has that unique ability just to build on it. You see for, for your typical golfer, golf is kind of a day to day thing. And then for the more advanced golfer, golf becomes a week-to-week thing. And then for the generational player, these guys can keep a trend as if they were riding a wave. They ride the wave for longer. It's like when I've watched Kelly um, Slater surf, he stays up for longer. And McElroy does the same thing. And and I like him this week just because I'd said so a few weeks ago. I see him doing Rory McElroy stuff. And this golf course, a lot of holes move from right to left. And I know he's going to fade a little bit more. But around a golf course is somewhat receptive. Birdies are there to be had. Greens are awesome to putt on. Golf course, it likes a draw a little bit. I'm like, man, he's playing so good. You may as well just keep on going. Yeah, six, that par five, you can cut the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm starting to think about all the holes now, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, uh, one more thing that we have to get to, and sometimes you get to a point in the season, and you just got to give – the man, the respect that he has earned, not given, earned. So it is that time of the show where we do our one and dots, which we all care about so very much. And a tip of the cap to what's that, Jacob? I got to interrupt your flow. You skipped right over the best bets for the week. My Bring back Rick. <laughs> I was giving you time to take Rick's name off there and put Kyle's up. All right, here is what our best bets <laughs> look like. Uh, Mark, you have Sam Burns over Xander. Explain. Well, Sam Burns is just playing so well. I think head-to-head, he's a better player than Xander right now. Uh, and if you watch Sam Burns any last week, 
look, we know the guy can hit it, but he is putting like a banshee right now. And he's, he's just got a wonderful confidence about him. And I spoke with his sports psychologist, Brett McCabe, and, and Brett's like, this boy has no fear right now. So I, I, I've got to be honest, I looked, I, I, I looked at Denny McCarthy winning Group D for a little bit because I thought the number was pretty good. It was plus 450 or something. But just in a one-man game over Xander, um, yeah, give me Sam Burns any day of the week. Man, I love that pick. And plus 100 is an awesome number for that head-to-head. Love it. Kyle, I love your three-way. Explain yourself. Yeah, I'm I'm with, with Mark on Davis Riley. He, I think he's the most underrated player in the world right now. I said that going into the U.S. Open. And uh, I just like him over these two guys. He, he, he He's interesting because he hasn't, he hasn't played a lot. Of, like he's playing a lot of these venues for the first time. So you don't have a ton of history to go on, but I just think Davis Riley in, I don't know, three years from now is going to be a top 15, top 20 player in the world. So I, I like the number there and I like him over those two guys. And I would argue that TPC Cromwell is one of those courses that you don't need to see a lot of times to be able to figure it out. It's not yeah. a super, super hard course. Uh, hey, TPC River Highlands, Mr. PGA Tour guy. Did I say Cromwell? TPC yeah. Cromwell? I said that, didn't I? TPC River yeah. Highlands. Yeah, apologies. Yeah. A few years ago, true story, when they got Jordan Speed to come play for the first time, they had to rent uh, these cornfields that were next to the course because they didn't have enough parking when they got Speed to start coming and Rory to start coming and JT to start coming. This is low-key one of the best events on the entire PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Very, very good. Uh, now, T. Leone in the uh, – T. Leone, I want to make sure I get his name right. says, Coach, better not laugh in our face again for the OAD transaction one and done. That's because things took a turn for the worse. Now, <laughs> I don't know who the three choices were this week, but we're going to put up the one and dones, and everybody owes Mark 25 bucks. And Greg, 25 bucks, because last week they both had Will Zalatoris, as did the fans. Now, Sia, I know you are watching. You have not paid Mark for the PGA Championship, and you owe him for the U.S. Open. Mark, any uh, words for Sia? Hey, Sia, come on, man. You're better than that. You're better than that, Sia. Let's go. <laughs> now, Sia's on Patrick Cantlay this week, and as you can see, nobody else is. Eh. Kyle. Seamus Power. Now, a couple of years ago, this would have been a Sepp Straka type of selection, but not anymore. Talk to me. Seamus Power is uh, one of, I think there's been like 12 guys that have made the cut at all three majors. Uh, he's been awesome this this season and uh, didn't really see an opportunity to uh, to use him again at, at any point this season. So I'm... I'm <laughs> well, and I knew that nobody else you would take him. Straight face too. You said <laughs> I don't. Well, there's, only, there's only there's only like eight events left. So <laughs> I, know, I know. Well, you can see we're all struggling to find a find a, a bullet in the holster. Uh, all right. So Rick is on Davis Riley uh, as Mark is to Jacob. Show your face. You're on Mister Tony Finau. Talk to me, sir. Uh, yeah, we're gonna take Tony Finau here. Uh, I mean. The U.S. Open hangover for a lot of these guys could be real. Not for him whenever you miss the cut. So that's sort of what I was playing at. I was considering Brian Harmon actually as a as an ultra contrarian play. Uh, you know, I didn't have the badge that got me inside the ropes on the course itself, but I did. I did roll uh, watch Brian Harmon roll in just a bunch of putts on the the putting green after shooting a what was that a sixty eight on Thursday. So, you know, he's, he's out there grinding. He's about the same stature as me. So it always gives me hope to see Harmon play, but I'm going to go with Finau, who is definitely not the same stature as me. Uh, let's, let's try. I would love to see you two standing next to each other though. I would love to see that. That would be intriguing. And I will say, uh, Kyle on Seamus power in the media center. He, he did say very loudly that Seamus power is probably the best Irish golfer out there right now. <laughs> and I thought, I thought we might, have I forgot police, about that. A police escort <laughs> get off the property. I was kidding. I was kidding. Oh, that just made my day. Hey, Mark, <laughs> did you have any FOMO watching Jacob and and Kyle and and Rick be all buddy buddy at the U.S. Open? And and you and I were nowhere to be found. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't, I even ask, wouldn't even ask. I, I was I was happy for you guys. It's always good to be with your buds at an event like that. I, I you know it's the working is fun. 
but it's the after hours stuff that's fun yes. when you get to sit and reminisce and just hang out. And I mean, I, I still think back to, you know, COVID time when Kyle and I were at the Masters sort of catching up in hallways and stuff and just just sort of buddies, you know. So so from that point of view, I'm happy for them. They did. But I, I, I was loving my week off. <laughs> I really was. Oh, I, I love the pictures of you in the jungles of Costa Rica. That was awesome to follow you. On the IG, as the kids like to call them. Yeah. All right. Uh, Greg is on Denny McCarthy. Love that pick this week. And you, the fans. You, the fans. I got to give you credit. You had Will Zalatoris just like Mark did. But alas, even with that big number, you could not get past me. So this is as close as I'm going to let you get, which is $113,000. Because this week is Keegan Bradley's favorite regular event on the PGA Tour. He's from the Northeast. He loves it. You saw how much he loved it at the U.S. Open. He's going to be ready to go this week. I have him in the top 20, and I love Keegan Bradley this week to get it going. This thing's not over yet, even though, Mark, you're up by $4 million. But we still have one major left in all the FedEx Cup playoffs, so we still have a chance. But i got to give you respect and a tip of the cap. Your selection this week is Davis Riley. Yeah, and I've still you, – you talked about folks hurting for bullets in the holster. I'm still sitting with Ram and Rory. And, and Davis, I think, is a is a really handsome pick this week. I, I was with Jacob. I mean, there's the regulars at, at TPC River Highlands. You look at Bubba Watson, uh, Paul Casey, but he's not in the field. Um, I thought Harmon has played very well around you before. Russell Henley has played you. If you're looking, if folks are running out of names, um, but just the way Davis is playing right now, and he's young and he's fresh, and and there's with the youngsters, there's always that. You know, we can become sort of grizzled and 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 kind of grumpy when we age. But I watch Davis Riley, and he's just loving the fact he's playing on the tour. He's making money every week. He's contending. Uh, I think he just keeps keeps kicking the ball forward, and and I wouldn't be at all surprised if he just play player this week. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. This is a place where great things happen. I want to close the show posing a question to the two of you: What's the greatest of these three accomplishments? At TPC River Highlands, what is the greatest in your mind? Number Furex one. 58. What's that? Furyk's 58. That was going to be one of my choices, 58. Right. Or Kevin Streelman, seven straight birdies to finish his final round to win. Or Spieth out of the bunker, holding it out in a sudden death playoff to beat Daniel Berger. What was the best? You said Furyk 58? Not in a contest. Oh. Okay. I think it's obviously Spieth. <laughs> uh, no, no, it, it's the, the 58, I think, is the most impressive. I think the most exciting would, and I remember this is like one of the seven weeks I've had off or weekends I've had off over the last 10 years. But when Speed hold out to be burger, uh, it was that was pretty incredible. That was what that was the week before he won the open, right? At uh, uh no, it was twenty. It was twenty seventeen. It was right before he won, or it was like two weeks before he won the Open. Yeah, yeah. It was his and, last event before he went to the Open. And I, that's, and I was actually there. I, people exaggerate all the time, but literally the ground was shaking. I've never felt that before. It was yeah. shaking. It was, it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Mark. And that's the that's the cool thing about that final hole. Well, that stretch of fifteen is that unreal short par four. Sixteen is a good par three. Seventeen is kind of difficult, and then eighteen you play into this amphitheater behind there, and the place is jam packed. And like last year when we went that eight hole playoff between uh, Kramer Hickok and Harris English, the folks were electric, and it wasn't even full uh, full fans last year. All no. the fans are back, and I can imagine. Uh, look, I was there when Jordan hauled out that bunker shot. It measured on the Richter scale. It truly did. <laughs> But what I want to highlight, and, and to your question, the bunker shot was incredible. But what people forget was Spieth hit a snapper off a tee into the trees in front of him. He had like 240 yards to the green, sort of squibbed it into the bunker there, and then holes out. And I just remember Daniel Berger, I looked at him, he was like, oh, geez, are you serious <laughs> again? <laughs> and it, it was pretty cool. The, uh, the playoff last year was kind of low-key awesome, too. It was it was awesome. weird and like kind of goofy and nobody could make a birdie. But for me, it was one of the most like fun, kind of weird little moments of, of the entire PGA tour season. There was yeah. like four or five holes in that playoff that they had a chance to win, like a legit chance to win. And they couldn't make anything. 
Well, was, Harris English got the ball up and down out of a plug line, a bunker. Yeah, for a that pass. was that I was mean, unbelievable. Wow, it was. Yeah, they weren't making birdies, but some of the saves they were making were just so cool. And and I remember yeah. on like whole, we played the 18th for about the fifth time or whatever it was, and Harris is bending down in the fairway, sort of stretching the back and the hips and this. And I, he comes walking past me, and I'm like, dude, are you okay? And he goes, man, I'm tired. <laughs> 25 holes today. Uh, Jacob, your thoughts? I mean, just imagine a theoretical golf league where it was a team format and you could have a play on it. And you got to, and you got to like pick two players, send them up, uh, you know, make it a mandatory five-hole playoff, something like that, you know. That's what I'm saying. Oh, my God. Jacob and I – Jacob and I, Jacob and I say solved and saved golf at Brookline. I don't know yeah, if those you, takes will ever see the the light of day, but yeah, you guys, you guys talk about how fun it is just to reminisce, you know, after the work is done. I mean, for all we know, Kyle, Rick, and I might just go start our own breakaway golf podcast. <laughs> wow. Wow. Hey, Mark, you and I could do one. I, I would take Coach, that challenge. Coach, I'm with you, buddy. Yeah, I'm with you. So, all right. <laughs> on that note, awesome. uh, what a good, fun hour. We tackled the U.S. Open. We tackled all the defectors. We tackled the Travelers Championship. Now it's time to go make those bets. Follow all of my guys on social media because there is nobody smarter in the golf space than these guys we're looking at right here, including Greg, including Rick. For KP, for Mark Immelman, for the jeweler who puts it all together here at The Brand. I am the coach. We'll see you Thursday morning. Is there another show tomorrow, by the way? Are we adding a betting show, Jacob? Yeah, we're going to do a betting stream tomorrow. Also, we had some, uh, some speaking to see, some internet issues with him last night. So DFS show later today. DFS show. What time is that? Five. Five so. p.m. Eastern time on this same YouTube channel and Apple and Spotify. I am the coach. Man, I love doing this so much. See you next time right here on The First Cut.